four for the Eagles here. Murphy in shotgun. Here's the snap. He rolls left. He throws. Welcome to the WZBC Sports Podcast, episode 17. This is probably one of our most ambitious ones yet, I would say. We have four WZBC Sports members on this one. We're breaking down uh, the basketball season for BC Men's Basketball, kind of what we saw. Was it a success or not? Positives and negatives, uh, and also look forward to next year because uh, the offseason uh, starts now, and there's a lot this team has to address in this offseason. So my name is Steve Mackley, joined by Kyle Maslin. Ben Newworth. And now Preziosi. And uh, we have a, a good group and a lot to talk about tonight. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And let's kind of get right into it. So, guys, I know Kyle and Ben, I talked with you guys before the season started um, about expectations for the season. And, I mean, they weren't super high, but we wanted to see some big steps. And I think in some ways we saw some good steps. Bowman certainly surpassed expectations. Robbins took a big step forward. Um, but you lose Graves. He transfers out. Uh, Turner, although he made some progressions, I think didn't didn't make his progressions at least with his confidence on the court, which hurt the team at times. The front court was an issue, as probably we expected, um, and only two conference wins. So that's that's not great. So uh, let's first start general thoughts. The season ended on a 15 game losing streak, and like I said, only two conference wins. So what did you like, and what went wrong, um, and can we call the season a success? So Kyle, I'll start with you. Well, there's a lot that went right. Kai Bowman went way more right than anyone could have thought that he would have, turning from people saying a nice backup point guard who could develop into a something to being all ACC first team for freshmen, along with the likes of Jason Tatum and Dennis Smith, who are going to be playing in the NBA next year and will be first five, ten t- picks in the draft. Jerome Robinson. Everyone saw a lot of great things last year as a freshman, and he took a step forward this year as a really go-to scorer, averaging right around 20 points a game all season. Even when things were going wrong, he would always try to keep the team in the game and be a consistent sort of uh, source of offense for this team. But that's where the positives mostly end. Connor Tavey and Mo Jeffers, they tried their hardest, but they weren't ACC starting players. A.J. Turner, as you said, had, did not make the progressions we needed to see out of a four-star recruit who had looked at by Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Ty Graves, people were calling him the big point guard out of this class. They were going to say it would be a great three-point shot, a great one, someone to lead the offense, and he just didn't do it. His best game was a loss to Nickel State. He then quickly got outplayed by Bowman and just appeared to lose his desire to play here after getting outplayed by his fellow freshmen. And now he's in the University of St. Louis and out of here. So we had no backup point guard for the second half of the season besides the walk-on Matt DeLucio, who didn't play. So Jerome Robinson was your starting two and your backup one. You can't be successful making your best player play 38, 39 minutes a game. He was exhausted. He was dinged up. And that's why you saw some of the inefficiencies from him at the end of the year. There were some great positives. There's also a lot of growth that needs to come, especially in recruiting and getting more depth, especially at point guard 
and in the front court. I, I would absolutely agree with you, Kyle. I think that was that was the downfall of this team this year. Is where they were really eight deep, sometimes sometimes nine deep if you wanted to count Garland Owens who played every once in a while. But um, but their their problem was depth. But I think a positive from the season was we we can kind of see the skeleton of the next great BC team. We can kind of we can see you can kind of see where it's going. I think last year's team had very little direction. Eli Carter wasn't going to be here next year, and he wasn't. Uh, Dennis Smith, uh, Dennis Clifford, excuse me was also graduating. This this year's class is going to be here for a while. Kai Bowman's going to be here for three more years after this. Jerome Robinson, he's going to be here for two more years. Those two guys in the backcourt with shooters like A.J. Turner and a, another pleasant surprise, Jordan Chapman, actually, shot 40, shot, uh, I want to get this right, 41.7% from three this year. That's unbelievable. For a guy that we have for two years, That's I, I can see the next the next great BC team kind of coming to fruition, but you're absolutely right. They need a lot of depth. They need to replace Connor Tavey and Mo Jeffers with ACC-level big men who, who, can, who can defend the post, who can rebound, and who can block shots because that was kind of the downfall of this team's defense was their inside play as well. Yeah, I mean, and I, I agree with all that. There is the skeleton there, and we'll get to what do we think this skeleton can give us in a couple years at the end of this podcast. Um, but Al, before we turn to you, I, I just want to say, make a point. We talked this before. You mentioned Connor Tavey, uh, Mo Jeffers. The front court had its problems. Those guys played valiantly. They played hard all season. They just weren't the ACC-level bigs that you talked about that we need. Uh, and we'll get into recruiting a little bit as well and some, some bigs that are on the recruiting profile. Um, but that's another team. Is just they got to improve in that area for sure. And the ACC being the best conference doesn't help. Um, obviously, like you guys were saying, we, ha- we have some positives. We have two star potential players, and we just lack a dominant big man. Like in the UNC game, we were with them the whole time, and at the end of the game, getting killed on the offensive glass, and you can't win games down the stretch without uh, being able to clean up the boards. And, you know, Jerome being banged up and having to play most, most of the game certainly doesn't help either. No, it definitely doesn't. Um, the guys were worn out. The team wasn't as deep. I mean, let's look. The worst loss we saw all season was the Florida State loss. Talk about a deep team. I mean, they, they were going way deep in the bench and got contributions. So, you know, we, that's one thing you want to work on. But you need to address the stars first. And at least we have some of that uh, with Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman. So, guys, we all alluded to this. Kai Bowman, he was the breakout player of the year for this team. And there are some holes in his game. He's not an unbelievable ball handler. He's not a pure one. He's good. He's you know, he doesn't have a beautiful shot in terms of form, but it goes in. But all that aside, there's something special about him. He's an incredible motor. He plays so hard. He has such a passion for the game. And I don't say that in, in a cliche way at all. He really loves basketball. How special can he be? Because we know at the college level, you can have unique, quirky players that can lead you deep in the NCAA tournament. And I'm not saying Kai Bowman's that kind of player necessarily, but he's a special player. There's an, there's an it factor about him. So how special do you think he is? Um, and can he make the jump that Robinson made from his freshman year to sophomore year? Uh, what, what, so general thoughts on Bowman. What do you guys think? Well, I definitely think Bowman can make a similar jump. One thing that everyone mentioned about Bowman, but sometimes people forget, is he was an excellent football recruit, recruited by some of the top programs in the country, including Nick Saban at Alabama. And he turned that down because of how much he loved basketball. He went from Alabama football to Boston College basketball. We love our BC basketball, but it's not Alabama football by any means necessary at all. So the fact that he wanted to come here shows how much he loves the game of basketball and that he will be a gym rat here to get better constantly. And that's, I think, how he outperformed Graves is that Graves came in as a guy who always played basketball. I think he took it for granted a little bit 
playing someone like with someone like Bowman, but Bowman just outworked him and outworked him. I think he'll continue to do that. And that's great for BC as we have him for our three years here. And I think that he can end up taking that jump. I think Jerome Robinson still has another more improvement he can do. The hope is AJ Turner can make a jump. And on top of that, Mike Segay, another talented freshman. You see all of all tools. Can he make a jump? Nick Popovich, can he make a jump? There's a lot of youth here where you love to project forward, but too much projection can get you scary in so many holes. But I think Kai Bowman is definitely the best bet to take a big leap forward. I, honestly, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to preface this by saying I love Jerome Robinson. And I think mm-hmm. he is he is maybe the most exciting BC player I've seen since Reggie Jackson. He's very exciting and he's he is an all around college star. But I think Kai Bowman might be the best player in this Boston College basketball team as of today. Yep. As of this season, I think if you look at the stats in conference in conference games, which is really when Kai got going after that, uh, after the Auburn game at MSG, he got the starting job. And then as we moved into the ACC conference play, he was really able to get going. He got He's averaging more points per game, more rebounds, more assists. He shot 47% from three-point range on six attempts a game. Those are those are just incredible numbers from a, from a guy who's known for his physicality as yeah, well. Yeah, seriously incredible numbers. I, I think that he had one of the most underrated like freshman seasons that we've seen in recent memory, honestly. Nobody talks about Kai Bowman, and I think I think the sky's the limit for Kai Bowman. I can see Kai Bowman be doing well at the next level. I can see him absolutely dominating for this level and being an all-conference player at the very least. I, I, I firmly believe that Kai-Jerome combo can take BC to the promised land, and I think they, ju- they just need those supporting players around them. But I really, I really think Kai, Kai, Kai and Jerome, specifically Kai, can really, uh, can really take us places. Yeah, Jerome's a really good player. He creates his own shot in a really special way. He's a little more of a traditional player, but there's something special about Kai Bowman. So what do you think, Al? Yeah, he's absolutely electric. Uh, you look at the play, even his injury against the Wake Forest game, yep. he's running across the paint to contest a shot uh, on a bigger player, swats a shot, and goes down. But he's the type of player who excites the crowd. And in college basketball, if you have if you have the crowd on your side, you know we need to draw more uh, more of the fans to the games. That's a huge advantage in college basketball. And if he he's the type of player who can bring people to the games and um, pull off some fun upsets. Yeah, I mean he's such a great demeanor about him on the court. Uh, he's never he's so competitive. He's always playing so hard, but he's never. Um, He's ne- never out of line. He's never, uh, you know, pushing or shoving. He's just like he's supposed to be playing basketball the right way as hard as he can, and, and you got to respect that. Um, he is supremely athletic, um, and there's some athletes on this team. You look at Garland Owens and Mike Segay as well. Some athletes. You got to pair that with basketball ability as well, which probably was Garland Owens' downfall. <laughs> but but you know, he, again, a guy that played hard for for all of his time. Um, Al, as you mentioned, Kai Bowman gets the injury against Wake Forest. Uh, six to eight weeks is what I've heard. It's not a torn ACL. Any concerns there? Do, are we feeling anything? Can he recover from that? I mean, it's a knee injury. So you, never, you never completely know. Um, but I'd have to say that it should be fine. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, it came at the right time to have an injury like that because we're in the offseason. He's not going to get rushed back. There's no games for him to rush back for. He can take his time, rehab. He can take the extra week or two if he needs to without feeling pressure from the fan base, from the coaches, or from anyone in the department because it's just summer workouts. When someone has like high strong weight can do, it's more important to have him healthy than to have him in the grueling heat if his knee isn't 100%. So, yes, it's never fun to have a knee injury, 
but it wasn't a torn ACL, so it's not going to cut into next season. He should be fully recovered by the end of our semester. But when we get out in May, he should be basically fully recovered. So if you want to take a little extra time, go into June. And then when workouts really start in late summer or the fall, he should be six months out of surgery. He should be fine. I, I would think so as well. And Thank goodness he didn't have that torn ACL. That yeah. just would have been... It would have been such a disaster for next year if that had happened. But um, I, I would I, the only thing I would be concerned about normally with a summer injury is you don't get time to practice with your teammates. You don't get time to kind of build chemistry with them. But Kai and Jerome already have great chemistry together, I, I think. I, I don't think that's really an issue, and I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you guys so, – so hopefully he's going to you know, be, be healthy. Um, I'll, I'll ask this question to you, and I'll kind of give my thoughts on it as well. There were some positives to be in the season. They started the year two and two in the ACC. Uh, that fantastic performance against Syracuse on New Year's Day. But the season, again, ended on a 15-game losing streak. And by the end of the season, I mean, the Clemson game, the Wake Forest game in the, in the NCAA tournament, uh, they just weren't super close. Um, they played well in the first half against Virginia Tech in the last home game. Um, they had Notre Dame a little bit in the first half in that second-to-last game of the ACC regular season. But things just didn't really go right. And... and you know, my, my thing is, and we saw it all year, they just couldn't play a full 40 minutes. Um, with the depth and with the areas that could ex- could be exploited by other teams, BC just could not play a, a full 40 minutes. So what do you think went wrong, uh, at least towards the end of the season with this team? Um, do you think guys were just burnt out? Um, or the other ACC teams, ACC teams were, were just simply better? I mean, I, I think that's that's maybe an obvious statement. We could break it down a little bit more. But for to you, what did you see at the end of the year, that just kind of tailed off a little bit. Like we mentioned earlier, Jerome having to play 38, 39, 40 minutes a game with your best player, with no backup point guard, that's going to come to haunt you down the stretch. He's going to be tired. He was he was injured. And and like I said earlier, against the UNC game, when you don't have a dominant big man to seal and finish games, it, it's, it's very tough down the stretch. So, I mean, we, we saw it against Wake Forest. I mean, look at John Collins. Look at what he can do. Um, he's such a dominant big man. And I don't expect BC to get someone like that. But, I mean, to your point, you know, someone that's, that can kind of space the floor, put him in the middle, and really kind of dominate that area, and not get fouls either, is important. Yeah, somebody definitely, somebody who can limit some great ACC big men on the defensive end. Somebody who uh, can play, like you said, without fouling, hustling up and down the court. It's just it's tough to play a full forty minutes without uh, without depth and with some injured players. I mean, here's a question though: If Wake Forest is someone like John Collins, why can't BC? We're very similar recruiting profiles. We have very similar histories of success or not quite success. And John Collins, he was a sophomore. He wasn't a top freshman phenom. He was a decent recruit who had a great year one to year two jump from a good from a decent ACC big man to a dominant ACC big man and possible lottery pick. That's exactly who BC should be trying to get in these recruiting classes and who they could realistically try to develop. That's exactly what BC thrives at, getting toolsy guys who are under-recruited and developing them here. That's exactly the type of player that John Collins is and who BC should try to get. Yeah, and just one point on John Collins uh, before we get to you, Ben. 
and Wake Forest as a whole, John Collins was second in ACC Player of the Year voting, first team All ACC. I mean, his jump was tremendous. He is a really good player, not super flashy numbers, but I think he will play at the next level. And Wake is a team is is somewhat of the blueprint for BC. I'd say Notre Dame is too, but Notre Dame's just been so successful recently that I can't make that jump. But Wake Forest, Brian Crawford, and John Collins are two really good players, and the rest of the team is solid but not special, not nothing great. We saw them. They lost in the play-in game last night against Kansas State. That should be BC's goal. Compete for the tournament, be on the fringe, be competitive in the ACC, get some wins, and have a couple special players with a good sporting cast. I mean, you're not going to be Duke. We're not going to become Duke here. Even if we have a Duke-like team for one year, this is not Duke. This is not North Carolina. It's not Kansas. But you look at Wake Forest, a good team with two very good players, but nothing super special beyond that. That's kind of my goal, and I think kind of both your points about John Collins, they're the kind of guys we hopefully could be landing. I think you're exactly right, and I think this is kind of that's kind of what um, that's kind of what Coach uh, Coach Jim Christian is going for here. He has he has his two ball handlers in the backcourt. He has the shooters in Chapman and Turner, and he just you just need someone along with uh, Nick Popovich, who I think has potential to be a good big man down there for them, and I think he could be a good supporting player. And if he ever gets his shot going, which he he shot some pretty horrible three pointers, <laughs> and they did not look good, but if he ever gets that going, that will really help their offense as well. But, but going to your point, I, I really don't see why we can't be in the class of the Wake Forests. Or even, even say, in NC State. NC State's getting a guy like Dennis Smith, who's a top-five recruit in the, uh, in the country. And NC State hasn't had success in years. NC State, they just fired their coach. They're, they're always out of the tournament. Boston College, we should, be, we should be able to be on that level, if not beyond. Yeah, I, I agree. And to my point about Notre Dame, um, Notre Dame's been just so successful. Two straight Elite Eights. They have a very good team together this year. But Notre Dame keeps the players for four years which is something that I think BC should be able to do. We're not, you know, kind of the one-and-done guys. A stable program that guys get better each year in. Um, and I think we have the makings of that. I mean, if we, if we become what Mike Bray has done with Notre Dame, I'll be, you know, ecstatic. Um, but Danny Manning's doing a good job with Wake Forest, and that's kind of where I, where I want to see us. And, and Ben, to your point, NC State's another good one. Not sure if I would have fired Mark Godfrey after landing Dennis Smith, but not our problem. Um, so, guys, if, if we take a look ahead to next year, just give me one player currently on the roster. We'll get to recruits in, in a little bit that can take a big step forward, not ex- excluding Bowman and, and Robinson. We'll take them out. We've talked a lot about them. So give me one player that can make a big jump and make and be a contributor next year that maybe wasn't a contributor this year, or if they were, they can become even more of a contributor next year. So, Ben, I'll start with you. I'm going to go with a sort of unconventional pick here. Irvin's Mesniak's is going to be my pick here. I, I have been on the Irvin's train since he's been at Boston College. I, I, I think he has real potential as a, th- as a kind of a sh- an outside shooter, a guy who can slide between the three and the four positions, maybe even sometimes go up to a two. And uh, I think this year he had surprisingly good numbers, if you really, if you really look into it. For instance, and uh, I'll just look through, in his conference games, 33% of three-pointers shooting a uh, Shooting seven per thirty minutes. That's, that's a huge volume, a pretty respectable, uh, and a pretty respectable uh, percentage there. And if he can be, if he's able to stand the perimeter, move the ball like we've seen him do, play defense like I've seen him do in spurts, and he's just he's just able to get off the bench. I think he can be a really valuable player to this team. That and you can never have enough. Uh, you can never have enough forwards, especially in college basketball. I mean, the thing with Mesniak is that he didn't play so much for so much of the year. When he played, he was a nice bench player, but. You have to. Why he didn't play, really score for his first point until the Louisville game? So you really need to see just why that happened. My guy is you gotta look at the 
best recruit that this guy that BC has gotten in the recent history. You need to look at the four-star recruit AJ Turner going to his junior year. He is halfway through his career here at Boston College and has really done a whole lot of nothing. He's played good perimeter defense. He can shoot a decent three. He's a great passer, but he can't create a shot and he can't finish anything but an open three. And even sometimes that can be iffy. He needs to get a three-point shot locked down. Go take lessons from Jordan Chapman, who has a who's shot a better, better percentage. Go work out with Jerome and Kai, who are good drivers and creating their own shot. Try to learn the skills from these other guys that you have the innate physical tools to do, but have not put into your game yet. If AJ Turner can become that three guy that everyone was looking at him to be when he came here, you pair that with Jerome and the constantly improving Kai Bowman. You have them, the core of a good team, but Turner needs to make that stride on the wing. I'm going to go with uh, Nick Popovich. Uh, he's only a freshman. He has established post moves and some good footwork on offense. Like we were talking about before, needs to learn how to play defense without fouling. That, that's teachable, though. He can certainly improve his defense and... That's might be a bit optimistic because BC just needs somebody who can contribute in the front court, but I have faith in him. Yeah, all good points. Um, start with Nick Popovich. Yeah, he's going to be your starting center probably next year, um, which some might be scare some people. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I think he will be a good player. Uh, I pay attention to college basketball pretty closely, and I, I watch the mid-major conferences, and Nick Popfish would run some mid-major conferences. So, like, it's all relative. The ACC is—the the, the big difference between the ACC, if you ask me, if I had to give one reason why the ACC is so good, every good college basketball team has good guards. But the ACC has good guards and a four and a five. And that's what BC's got to really improve on. So I think Nick Popovich can improve, and I think he will improve, uh, hopefully with some increased confidence. A.J. Turner just got to put more confidence. He has got way better form than Kai Bowman, but Kai Bowman is always going to knock on the shot that Turner doesn't because he shoots with shoots with confidence. So that's something they got to work on there. And Irvin Smesniak, there will be playing time for him next year. Whether he will start um, over some recruits coming in that we'll talk about is a different question. But, Ben, you're right. He has a role in this team. He played pretty well in some minutes, and he can shoot. So we'll see what happens to him. My guy, talk about him all season, Mike Segay, supremely athletic. He had some really nice moments in games. He played really well in some garbage time this year, which, you know, take it for what it is, but he did look really good in some moments. He's very athletic. If he can learn how to pay a bit more attention on the court, I think a little bit, stay with some defensive assignments, uh, and become an integral part of the offense, he will have a role next year. So he's my guy. So you got four different people to watch out for, monitor their progress in the offseason, and certainly we'll be watching them closely next year. You guys want to turn to another point on next season. What can we consider to be a success for next year? Is it two more conference wins, five more conference wins, the NIT, a bubble eight, you know, tournament team, I, that's probably a little of a pipe dream, but I'll put it out there. What is the success for the team for next year? What is the step that we need to take? Because I don't think we took that step forward this year. Again, there were positives, but I don't think we took the step forward that we wanted to see. I wanted to see six conference wins. That was probably a little bit too much. But what's that step forward? What does it look like? What form does it come in with, with certain players? Um, and as we have this conversation right here in a year from now, what will we be saying about BC? So that, that's kind of that's kind of my question. A, a loaded one, but what is success next season? It starts off with the f- end of 2016 season. It starts off with your non-conference schedule that goes through the new year. BC had a relatively 
some easy games that they blew. Losing to Fairfield, losing to Hartford, losing to Harvard, losing to Nichols State. Those are four games that you cannot lose if you're BC. They lost to Fairfield when Kai Bowman dropped 30. You can't do that and try to establish yourself as a decent Power 5 school. Yes, they lost the two games at Barclays Center, but those were to other Power 5 teams. They were good teams, tournament teams for the most part in Richmond and Kansas State. But you need to start off by maybe not sweeping, but coming pretty close to doing that in your non-conference schedule to begin. Because the ACC, as we constantly say, it's relentless. you got to look at more than two. I think you're looking at four to five ACC wins, but a much better non-conference performance, getting your record to around, if not a little above, 500. This team has had very predominantly losing records the last two years, losing over 20 games. Next year, you can't do that. You need to have be 15 and 15, be 16 and 14, maybe even 17 and 13, but something in that line where you're in the discussion for maybe an NIT, where you're not the last seed in the ACC tournament, where you have these bubbles of success, where you can play on real and get real national recognition besides getting on sports in our top 10 for something that you did occasionally or something that Florida State did against you. That's where it comes in. They need to win every single game that they are supposed to win at a conference and keep making these strides in conference. I, I, I would agree with you, Kyle, and honestly, I would go a little further. I, I would say this team should have at least eight conference wins next year. I, I've been ta- I, I know that's a lot, and going from, going from this last two years where we've had only two ACC conference wins in two years, to go to eight is a big jump, but I've been talking this team up a while. We've and I honestly think they, they should have had f- at least four this year. I can at least point to uh, I can at least point to four games. The game against the game after the game at Syracuse, the second ACC game of the year at Wake Forest, they were shooting. They shot I think twenty percent from three that game, and they still were within five points with two minutes to go. The game uh, the game at UNC that was a that was a four point game with again it, like two two three minutes to go in that game. I think this team really has potential to. Uh, Really has potential to get up to to get up to eight wins. They have two players who are real ACC players. They have they've been around for a while. Continuity is huge in the in college basketball, especially in the ACC. To have guys who know where they want to get in the floor, guys who have already practiced together, guys who who know what spots other guys like to shoot from on the floor, especially, which is going to be big for uh, the point guards. But I think this team really has the talent for that and. Coming from so many years where BC has just been a doormat in the in the ACC, pretty much since the firing of Al Skinner, to I to jump into that range would be huge success for the program, and I really think that's what they should be shooting for. I'm gonna go with six wins. I think that Christian needs to finish the recruiting cycle strong. We need a we need a, one more at least one more a backup point guard or something like that, and that to bring somebody in, and we need to. Because the lack of the depth killed this team, as we mentioned. Um, if, if somebody like Popovich can step up and be a real, real big-time ACC big man, then all the potential in the world. We have two star players, two star potential players. And so I think six wins is not unreasonable. And um, you look at Clemson, um, six wins in the conference, got them into the NIT. And I think that should be our goal for next season. Yeah, I'd love to see this team in the NIT. I think that's that's a possible goal. And if we look at the ACC, 
This was Kevin Stallings' first year at Pitt. All those guys, and they had some good players, were Jamie Dixon's recruits. I mean, maybe Kevin Stallings will retool and do a good job at Pitt, but it's tough to imagine him doing as good of a job as Jamie Dixon did, and all these guys are seniors. So they should be trash next year. I'm just going to be honest with you. NC State's going to start over. Dennis Smith is going to go to the NBA. They have a new coach coming in. Who knows who that's going to be? Um, Clemson, I think Blossom Game's gone. I, I I think he's graduating. Maybe he's a junior, um, but he might go to the NBA anyway. Collins you think Collins will go? Be a we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see about that. But I think that there, there's room at the bottom of the ACC for BC to really make some easy steps forward. So hopefully they can do that. And I'd love to see this team in the NIT. I think by Jerome Robinson's senior year, this team should be competing for the tournament. That That's kind of the goal. Um, but I agree with all of you about what we had to kind of say about uh, you know, kind of what are the goals. Let's turn to the recruiting cycle. Uh, ben, I'm going to start with you because you've probably following it the closest, but we'll get some thoughts on what we need. Um, there's one official recruit, uh, Luka Krauchevich. If I, I, I could have said that wrong. Uh, Luka, I apologize, apologize if you're listening. We'll, we, I promise you we'll get your name right by next year. But Luka Krauchevich, he is a power forward. He goes to Don Bosco in Indiana. Uh, maybe he's a center, too. It's, it's tough for you to say. I've, we've all looked at his highlight film. Decent player. Looks like he's assertive on the court, can shoot the ball, good skills on the outside, and good, some, some good post moves. We need some help at the four. Um, so, Ben, I'll start with you. What do you think about him, and are there any other guys on the circuit that, that could be in a BC uniform next year? I, I, I very much like Luca Luca's game. I hope I'm saying that right as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he, seems to sh- he, doesn't, he seems to shoot an easy ball as, as a big man. He, he kind of rises up. He rises up very fluidly and he gets it off without kind of a hitch in a shot, which for a guy his for a guy his height, that's really encouraging. And uh, this this may be an inaccurate assumption, but being from Europe, I'm just going to assume he can shoot as well. <laughs> but um, but looking beyond him, uh, which I think he can really help down low. BC actually recently, uh, just today, as as we're uh, recording this podcast, has uh, made the top five list of a forward from Connecticut, Malik Ondigo. Is a six eleven forward from Putnam Science Academy, a three star recruit uh, from twenty four seven Sports. But um, he a guy like that, a guy he's very athletic, more of a much more of an inside player than an outside guy. But um, a very athletic guy, a guy who can really get up there, and a guy and a guy who can kind of provide a sort who can provide sort of a threat down low, both offensively and defensively, and who can push Nick Popovich to be even better than uh, he is right now. I think that'd be very encouraging, and um. Just going off, just going off my knowledge, I know BC has also offered a couple of point guards. They've offered uh, Devin Newton, a point guard from Trinity, Texas, as well as Mark Smith, who's a point guard from Connecticut as well. Okay, but, yeah, uh, I'm not 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 totally up to date on those guys. Sure, yeah, Texas. We've been learning landing a player from Texas. That that won't be bad. Um, uh, you talked about uh, the need for backup point guard. That's something that I think we got to see in the recruiting class, uh, especially with Ty Graves going. Is that? Is that the area that you think this team most needs? Because a backup point guard, someone that's handling the ball, they're going to get retired more. You you need depth at that position maybe more than you do with the three or the four or even the five. So what do you think? Is that is that your need if you if you were Jim Christian trying to recruit a new player? Yeah, I'd say right now backup point guard is certainly the top need because you have a big in Krauchevic and you have, um, like you just mentioned, where we land in the top five, another big six eleven, that would be that would be fantastic. But backup point guard, you can't go in with Jerome Robinson as a backup point guard. He can't play every minute of every game. It's just mm-hmm. not feasible. Yeah, I mean, you you want to use energies other places. Um, and Kyle, to close it off, um, what do you think is this team's you know biggest need in the recruiting cycle? 
I've been saying backup point guard is a must. It really makes you miss Sammy Barnes Tompkins, the, the guy who transferred out of the end of last year. Was he the gr- greatest player? No, but he was a nice player, and he would profile perfectly as a backup point guard to give guys spells in the backcourt. And also, this BTC team has been very small, especially at the four. But if we start Popovich or the new 6'11 freshman who just put us on top five, along with Krauchevic next year, you're saying 6'9", 6'11". That is a legitimate ACC starting frontcourt height-wise. You're no longer going to get abused on the boards or in post moves by these ACC teams. We got abused by a 6'5", Bonzi Colson by Notre Dame. Because we had a 6'6", Connor Tavey. We need that height. To compete in the ACC, it's, just a, it's a big conference. Every single team is big. It's just a matter of fact playing in our conference. And having 6'9 and 6'11, whether it's Popovich or the new Connecticut recruit potentially, that's the size that they need to balance with a Bowman, a Robinson, and a Turner or a Sagay on the wing or a Chapman on the wing. You have the size to compete defensively, which has been this team's huge letdown. Offensively, they have games when they're down, but defense has been a constant struggle for this team. And having the big men to really anchor down a defense would be a huge boost for this Jim Cushion team. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, that's uh, a, a good size front court. Would would do you know so much for this team? It's still a young team, and if we can develop that front court, it could be even uh, better. So, guys, we're gonna close up this podcast with closing thoughts. Uh, I will go around and you know each give our closing thoughts on the seasons, positives, negatives, kind of whatever you want to say um, as we look towards the next season. I'll start with me. This was a season that I I enjoyed watching. I mean, we you know Ben, you said this last year was just a mess. Like there was no direction. Um, Christian was kind of still in flux, trying to get his team in here and stuff Turner gets hurt Robinson gets hurt uh, guys transfer out this year is I think the first year that we have uh, the chance to see that blueprint and I like it it could have went better at times you know we could have probably gotten more out of people like AJ Turner um, or Nick Popovich but it's we're not there yet Jim Christian said in the in the postgame press conference after the Wake Forest loss in the ACC tournament that you can't cheat this you can't cheat the system you got to stick to it it's just kind of how it works and the ACC is a tremendously difficult Comments to rebuild and i'm telling all the fans if they stick with this and it works out it'll be really 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 exciting and fun i mean like i was watching wake forest last night playing against kansas state and i was rooting for wake forest an acc team a team that i've enjoyed watched i've seen them play three times this year i was at the, the game here i was at the acc tournament and i watched the game on tv uh away at wake forest they were in the playing game the ACC, the NCAA tournament, and that was enjoyable. That was big for the fan base, for the school. This stuff matters. So I just say stick with it. Um, the recruiting class has got to fill out. That's a big thing. we got to fill that out. But if we can do it, next year could be a big step forward, a fun year. Maybe maybe the step forward that we wanted to see this year um, and even further. So that my, my message is stick with it. It could be a really fun team. Yeah, I mean, like we've been saying all the time, we see the skeletons of exciting Good basketball. Jordan Robinson, welcome to another year. Kai Bowman, man, we're happy to have you and happy you picked basketball over football. And beyond that, we just want to see Christian. As we said, keep developing, guys. You need to have those summer workouts. Don't get guys injured. Don't hurt Bowman's knee anymore. But you want to see the summer workouts. You want to push guys. You want to develop guys. And that's when these offseason workouts do come in. You want to see the development and the growth from a young team. And you got to see this recruiting class fill in. Because there's been a lot of flux in two years with the players. We had a lot of transfers out. We had Tompkins, Milan, Graves, Jallo. There's been a lot of flux. And then with the addition to that, the graduate students. The Eli Carters, the 
Davies, the Jeffers. We've had so much inconsistency where you just want to see settling down into the key players, which I feel like we have in place. But we need to get these recruits who are going to stick with it and really build this team's culture, which still hasn't been defined yet. And the first step to a winning team is establishing a winning and competitive culture. I don't think the grad transfer route as like a last-minute desperation is is feasible in the long term. We need guys that, like you're saying, we have to develop and grow together as a team. Having somebody, it's it's Jim Christian. Obviously, last year needed to bring those two grad transfers in, just because we didn't really have a direction. But now we have a direction. We need to finish the recruiting class solid, and we need to you know get six wins in the ACC next year. Get an NIT berth. Show recruits that BC is on the rise and build the program that way. I, I would absolutely echo what you guys have said, and uh, I, I just want to go to your point, Steve. I don't think this team is that far away from their goals. I, I think that has to be my central my central takeaway from the season. Th- this was a disappointing season. A season where you win two ACC games is always going to be like that, and I, th- I think this te- the team this year was that was on the court had a lot more potential than they showed, but I think the team going forward is even more than that. I think this is really this is a really exciting team. This is a team that's not only going to win, but they're going to they're going to win in fun ways. They're going to they're going to be an athletic team. They're going to team that shoots threes. They're going to have a lot of depth when they when they hopefully can get a bunch of recruits in there. We have four scholarships open up this year. I mean, if you can get four more guys in here for the next four years, and you can kind of build around those guys. You have the you have Jerome and the other sort of uh, pseudo veterans on this BC team can show them how it's done. You can really build a long-term program here. You can really build something that's not going to last, not just going to last five years. When Kai Bowman's, uh, when Kai Bowman's 35 years old and he has a, and he has a regular job, th- this BC team might be still good. Like, that's what you really have to hope for. And I, I'm really encouraged by what Jim Christian has done this year. And I think he is the right guy to take us forward. And I, I, I really like what he's shown. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it works out. And I'm, uh, I, I think it'll work out, but I'm, I'm definitely hoping for that. Yeah, Ben, I agree. I think Jim Christian's the right man for the job. It's a tough job. Um, you know, maybe he's he's not the name that Buzz Williams is, or maybe Bruce Pearl is, or Bruce Weber, um, who are pretty recent hires within similar type programs. But I think he's a guy that can do the job. And if he gets this team going, it could be a really fun ride for a lot of years to come. So, Ben, you mentioned that this team has four open spots that came into the year with a full roster of 15 players. We're losing four. Ty Gray is transferred out. Connor Tavey, Garland Owens, and Mo Jeffers all graduate. So we return Bowman at the one. Robinson and Chapman at the two, Turner and CA at the three, uh, Mesnik at the four, Kralchevich is uh, the forward, uh, so he's also the four, our one commit that we know of, and then Popovich and Jacques Reyes at the five, and then we have the three walk-ons, Deluccio, Gihan, and Gabriel Michael. So we'll see. Uh, it's a team that has good roots. We're all looking forward to um, what they what they can bring. Um, so, so we will probably have another basketball podcast before this school year wraps up. Um, but this was kind of the big takeaways from the season, some of our, our best basketball experts we have in the club. So I want to thank Kyle, Ben, and Al. My name is Steve Mackley. Thanks for listening to WZBC Sports Podcast. You can check out all of our stuff at WZBCSports.com and under WZBC Sports Radio on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Stay with BC Basketball. This team's going to be good. We'll talk to you next time on the WZBC Sports Podcast. Santini, make a nice little pass over to Stanford. Stanford gives it to Tuck. Tuck the shot. Oh! Top scores, Eagles win. The Eagles have won the 2016 Team Hunt Championship.
Catch all the excitement of Boston College Athletics right here on WZBC Newton 90.3 FM. As BC's only student radio broadcasting organization, WZBC Sports brings a different viewpoint of college athletics to the table. Our student commentators know the campus, student-athlete culture, and latest beat on the teams like no other media outlet, thanks to our dedicated coverage of Boston College sports. Check out our broadcast or weekly talk show schedules at www.wzbcsports.com and get a refreshing take on sporting events at the Heights and beyond.